tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrel pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing, man. Yeah, that's remarkable. Alex, I broke our uh, cardinal rule of mine about three minutes ago. How's that, Bobby? I broke the save it for the pod rule. Yeah. <laughs> you started telling me an interesting story. And I said, could this be used for the pod? And you said... Well, it has nothing to do with baseball. And right, I said, I great, perfect. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a good cold open. You started telling me about downloading fonts and giving your computer viruses. And I immediately regretted not saving it for the pod. So, you know what? I'm going to do the men in black. Mm-hmm. Flash just wiped my memory. I have no idea what happened. Please tell me the story. <laughs> I appreciate your transparency with the audience, right? That you are not actually listening to this story for the first time. Well, now I am, because I know what story. <laughs> what this podcast needs is more improv. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's what people have been saying. You know, like there's just been a mass exodus, everybody canceling their Patreon subscriptions. And it's weird. Everybody says in the exit survey when you cancel Patreon, more improv bits. More bits. I think. Yes. They and say not enough of this. I will come back if you <laughs> do more improv bits. Treat this like. UCB. <laughs> is this the first Friday night recording we've ever done? It's it's a little weird, you know, like we're, like we're, we're both off work, kind of in the post-work haze. I'm never off you, work. I'm never, never off work. work. I'm always You're on the clock. You're either always on the clock or always post-work. Oftentimes at the same time. I'm a man who contains multitudes. <laughs> you are. You know this about me. I do. I do. Some say contradictions. Some say I'm a delicate little snowflake that looks different every day. Is that has that been said about you? I don't know. <laughs> Probably somewhere on the internet. <laughs> the internet is a wide and far ranging place, right. as I've learned. As I've learned, being an employee at the Ringer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> can you please tell me your story? Actually, can you please tell the listener your story? Listener singular. Speak to that one listener at home who wants to hear this story so bad. Right, the one who was content with the amount of bits that we were doing. No, because they're going to be mad because there's more bits to right, do. Well. If you've tuned in expecting to hear a detailed breakdown of the Texas Rangers winning the 2023 World Series, bad news. Alex has to tell this story first. <laughs> well, the, the, the genesis of this was you called me over to your laptop and you said, look at this funky thing that Pro Tools is, is doing. It's changed up the naming, the, the default naming convention right, of, my, of my files. And I joked, I said, what if it's a, what if it's a virus? Which is the last thing that I want to thing You know this, you that I just hear. am so paranoid I, about I, all things. Yes, I did not need to plant that in your head. but It but crossed it, my mind already. <laughs> it crossed my mind. Well, like, it was, so far, it's been a harmless virus. <laughs> <laughs> the best kind. Honestly, like that's what the Department of Defense does half the time. They're yes. like, they breached our systems, but they haven't sent off any nukes yet. Right, exactly. They can see everything you're doing, but like they're not deleting your emails. Right, exactly. That's like when you get an email that you're part of a class action suit because your social security number was like exposed to several deep state terrorist organizations. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, but it hasn't been put to use yet. We'll let you know if it does. Right. I'm like, okay, good. All right. Anything I sh- can do about that? <laughs> do I get a new social get security a new number? number if they decide to rip off my identity? <laughs> <laughs> that, I don't know how that works. Frankly, I've thought about that more than I probably should. Do you want to share your social security number just to cut straight to the chase and let people steal it live on the air? Right. And I mean, we're reducing fr- friction here. Exactly. Four, one, zero. Is that really the first three numbers? No. Is there like a, like, do all, everyone's social security numbers start with the same three numbers if they were born in the same year? What does yours start with? <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you mine if you tell me yours. <laughs> anyway, back to my virus. Back to your virus. Right. Well, it was that, that suggestion was rooted in a kernel of truth, a, a past traumatic experience. As listeners of this show may know, and as you well know, I was, you could say, an intrepid kid on the internet. Yeah. Some say I threw caution to the wind <laughs> in my actions. <laughs> like your internet service provider said Like that my internet service provider said via letter verbatim. That was mailed to your house. Yeah. Stop torrenting without a VPN. <laughs> <laughs> Did they say without the VPN? <laughs> no. 
That was you. You like redlined I was reading it between the lines. <laughs> you redlined it like you were an English professor. Right, I was like, it didn't have to be said. You know, it was implied. Right. right. We wash our hands of this. <laughs> you do what you want with your dirty hands. But I, I, as you also well know, I love I love fonts. I love fonts. I love typography. Yeah. You used to download so many fonts just to see if it would make our website look better when we ran our student newspaper. Mm-hmm. It didn't, but it was fun to play around with. I think we did a great redesign of our website. This is what people come to the Tipping Pitches post-World Series season wrap-up pod for. Yeah. For us to do self-reflection about our redesign of our student newspaper website from 2016 that has now probably been redesigned four different times since mm-hmm. then. This is what they want to hear. The red underline on the logo popped. That was me. It was you. That's your saying. That's my legacy L right there. Legacy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you were downloading some fonts. I was downloading some fonts. You know, going through all the the right channels. For How this old sort were of you? Uh, I was probably twelve or thirteen. Peak. Peak. Peak year. I mean, this is when I was. I was in my bag in this era. <laughs> this is like twenty fourteen Kershaw. <laughs> it really is. And uh, at one point on my journey, I said, "Well, I might as well download the Star Wars font." You know, yeah. I'm sure it was more than I might as well. I think I probably had some sort of intention behind it. I don't know what it was. Whatever I was creating has not has been lost to the the annals of history. This was definitely like a a poster for the band that you were in or something. Yes. So you admit that it's been over a decade of flouting copyright law. <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> more than that, we'll we'll talk more off air. Okay. And so I downloaded this font, mm-hmm. not necessarily from. I didn't I didn't purchase this font. I didn't <laughs> I was not going through whatever verified fonts.com or or dafont. Is that real? Yeah. It's great. Mm-hmm. No free ads. Bleeping all that out. No, these are great resources. I'm a fan. Okay. You know? But I was going to like like movie like poster designs.co.nz slash fonts. You know, it was right. It was a little sketchy to begin with, but I downloaded said font because it was what I was looking for. Just as this story is what the tipping pitches listeners are looking for. <laughs> and and then what happened? And shortly thereafter... Wait, sorry. Uh, yes. And, and then what happened? Yes, and. Sorry, we're working on it. I, I booted up my computer one day and there was the Star Wars font all over everything. It had become my, my system default font. <laughs> And I couldn't change it. Like, it was not reflected in the settings. You know, it was like, it was like you're looking at Helvetica. And I was like, I think I know what that looks like. Right. You're a big Helvetica guy. <laughs> yeah. Clean, simple, smooth. So me, you're me a big, the Hel- yeah, big Helvetica guy is like being like, I'm a big water guy. Yeah. It's just the default font that most people use now. Well, some prefer Arial. Well, if you're, if you're Google Docs. What, what is that, by the way? What is Arial? No, I know what Arial is, but why did Arial become the font that Google Docs chose? That ugly ass font, that boring ass <laughs> font. No, I wasn't like, I guess my only perspective on the world before that was Microsoft Word, which defaulted to Times New Roman. Mm-hmm. But I always assumed that just like Times New Roman was the one, the only, the capital O, one, the capital O only. And then I one started. One font. Right. <laughs> and then I started using Google Docs and I was like this is ugly and bad and then I discovered Georgia and I've never looked back (laughs) (laughs) this is incredible content much like the Atlanta Braves I discovered the sweet sweet lands of Georgia you know and I just kept getting far out there in them (laughs) yep yeah you went further and further down that rabbit rabbit hole (laughs) exactly I think I I held on to this discovery of mine for kind of a while because I was afraid that, like, I think my parents were going to get mad at me, (laughs) that I was, like, downloading fonts and I had corrupted my system. Was this, like, on your personal laptop? Did you have a personal laptop or was this on the family desktop? I believe it was on, it was was the family computer on my personal account. So it was just my side of things that was affected. It hadn't bled through. I could hide it relatively easily. No. (laughs) Do they know about this now to this day or are they finding out live right now in the moment? In time and space where they're listening to this. It may have been memory hold as one of a long laundry list of my internet foibles. <laughs> you know? <laughs> they may not rise to the top, but for me it made an made an impact on me. Now I think very hard about which fonts from fonts.nc.slash movies slash yeah. yeah. 
that I that I'm downloading. So what what's the resolution? How'd you get out of it? If I recall correctly, I think I had to wipe my side of things. I think I I had to start fresh. Ouch. Which is which is tough to swallow. But but it's also I gotta say, a little freeing. It's, so freeing. It's one of the reasons why it, on on the rare occasions that like I get a new phone, I don't like back everything up and then transfer it over. I'm like clean slate. Is that true? That is true. I'll be like, I think I'll, people are going to think that is psychotic. Yeah, I think that's quite possible. But I like, I'm not very good at curating the apps today. Like, I download apps and then I just keep them on my screen. I'm like, it's on the last page. I never swipe over there anyway. And so yeah. I'm like, it's a nice way for me to like level set. What do I really need? What do I really need to take with me? <laughs> I could ask a million follow up <laughs> questions. Like, because you don't actually go and clean that up. So you're just saying that you keep all of the garbage until you move. Right. So like, this is essentially the equivalent of saying, I bought a random piece of furniture that I didn't need. And then next time we move apartments, I'm just going to leave it behind. Or I'm going to sell it. Or I'm going to put it up for free on Facebook Marketplace. Rather than tackling the issue right now. Right. The issue at hand that I have a piece of furniture that I don't need. Let's just put it in the office. Have it take up space there. And we'll worry about it once I'm leaving. Which you've now been at the same apartment for like four years. For, right. So, and you've had the same phone for seven years? Right, like six or seven years, yeah. maybe. So, <laughs> how's that strategy working out for you? You know what? Honestly, I think a lot of baseball teams do this too. I think they're like, that's for a future administration to deal with. Yeah, right. <laughs> this player's development that is not going very well, that's for the next roving hitting coach to figure out. Yep. That's what the Nationals said with Juan Soto. They were like, we're not going to own this team for much longer anyway. So it's not really on us to think about this kid's future. Right. And then every once in a while, you just get a hard reset, like the Texas Rangers did. And they built a champion. Wow. How's that for a segue? How's that for bringing it home? (laughs) We're going to talk about the end of the 2023 World Series. Rangers in five, just as Alex Baisley predicted. We're going to do a... Somewhat of a retrospective look back on the 2023 baseball season and everything it brought us and everything it took away from us, Alex. Everything it took from our souls. Uh, And then we're going to answer a few voicemails and questions later in this episode. But before we do, I am Bobby Wagner. I am Alex Baisley. And you are listening to Tipping Pitches. Thank you so much to this week's new patrons, Lindsay and Matt. Welcome to the off-season content, Lindsay and Matt. Bro, you thought we were about to start talking about the Rangers? No. Absolutely not. No way. Absolutely not. Here's what I want to talk about. Did you see the 2022 film, Elvis, directed by Baz Luhrmann? I did. You're familiar with the Tom Hanks character? I am. The Colonel? So, I, unfortunately, I'm like your Colonel. And you're my Elvis. So I've been telling people um, on various internet threads, <laughs> forums, Slack channels, yeah, that uh, I signed contracts for you to sing the entirety of Creed's Hire mm. to start this episode. So um, we're just going to have to pay up. So get, get to it. Start singing. <laughs> Can I do the Rangers version where you mumble your way through like the verses and stuff and, and then, then just, just belt. Hit, belt the one line? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. There's a truck backing up outside right now. <laughs> That's like your meter, you know? Sing right, it that's slower. my metronome. Yeah. <laughs> we want the 43 beats per minute version of higher. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. See, not, now the mob's coming least. for us. I know. See, this is what happened with the colonel. Well, I thought we didn't I'm have I'm starting to start giving you pills. We don't have any <laughs> listeners anymore anyway, right? Like, That's true. They all defected. We're not deep enough into the offseason yet, you know? Like, we haven't... They all, yeah, they we're, have, we're not scraping the bottom of the barrel quite yet. We may ha- get there. They haven't boomeranged back, so they all left us to go listen to Effectively Wild while the real baseball was on, and now they're coming back for the offseason because you know what they want? These sweet, sweet bits. Fonts and Creed, baby. And don't forget movie talk. And movie, and movies. And emo music. Mm-hmm. More of that coming later in this offseason. Um, chats with former players. Hopefully chats with current players. Maybe chats with current commissioners. Mm-hmm. Maybe chats with current heads of unions. You know, just manifesting. Manifesting. Um, all right. We got to talk about the Rangers. 
They're just, they were just way better than the Diamondbacks. Yeah, they really were. Proof is in the pudding. Yeah. You know what's weird? Um, they only outscored the Diamondbacks by four runs in total for the whole season, or for the whole series. And um, the the Diamondbacks actually out-hit the Rangers in this series. Su- super did not feel like did that. Did not feel that way whatsoever. The Rangers felt like they, they were even like playing with their food a little bit at times, where they were up 11 to 1, and they were like, nah, we'll bring in like the guy that we just called off the roster this, onto the roster this morning. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll give up six runs, and we'll not feel that bad about it. Um, we were doing a live stream for Game 5 when the Rangers won this series. And I got to say, great baseball game. A pitcher's duel, everything we could have wanted. Zach Gallen with his A stuff. Nathan A. Valdi, I think, with his like B minus stuff, but gritting through it, which is truly the Nathan A. Valdi experience. Uh, maybe that's a good place to start. He's the one guy I'm happy for on the Rangers. Yeah? I guess there's like five guys that I'm probably happy for. I'm like moderate, medium happy for Max Scherzer. I don't know who Jacob Agram is, so please don't ask. Um, I'm happy for Bruce Bochy. Yeah, good for him. The hit pain was worth it. <laughs> Coming back out there, I'm happy for CY. Six ten. That's, that's GM. right. Tall, tall people can be GMs. Right. Just want to say breaking down he's, barriers. He's broken the threshold. He's broken the glass ceiling. <laughs> You were telling me before, when you got here you, that you were really fired up to get on the mics and, and get it cooking because you wanted to talk about how happy you were for Ray Davis. Well, he's earned it. I mean, he did it the right way with dignity. <laughs> really, actually, bits aside, what is your, with two days of hindsight, view on the, the world champion 2023 Texas Rangers? And what, if any... Takeaways are there to be had from this October and this season at large that are verified by them. Okay, so some softball questions there. Yeah, bro. This is the podcast logic that we talked about last (laughs) week. I know, yeah. You can't just be like, hey, Alex, how are you? I have to be like, hey, Alex, here's this very convoluted question. And then you have to be like, great, great question. Boy, do I have a pithy response for you. (laughs) You can keep talking about fonts if you want, or... You can make good on all of my commitments for you to sing higher. Those are your choices. <laughs> We're renegotiating my contract next time. I'm just saying. Should we have contracts? Employment contracts with our own company? Right. Like, it, who do we <laughs> submit them to? Our lawyer. You know our lawyer. Oh, right. Right. That one. Yeah. That's the lawyer. <laughs> our lawyer. Do you know any lawyers? I think I know like one lawyer. <laughs> Maybe two. I, I, I know the one... Who works at my company? Oh, in-house legal counsel. Good guy, in literally in-house legal counsel. Yeah, I just want to say I've come around. I'm pro lawyer, by the way. You know, because there's more. been well, there's been a lot of lawyer slander on the pod because of Rob Manfred's career as a lawyer, mm. and I just feel like lawyers get a bad rap. You know, there are some good lawyers out there. <laughs> I feel like lawyers get a get a deserved rap like <laughs> i feel like they are neither underrated nor overrated now you know i'm in, I'm in the fa- final season of better call saul i'm like i just believe in the law now <laughs> big rule of law guy over here yeah i am yeah the justice read, system read the code works you just have to if you want to get out of it a good outcome you have to put in the work on the front end <laughs> so you're saying most lawyers just don't grind enough exactly exactly maybe find a little work ethic <laughs> I have now given you so much time to think of an answer <laughs> to, my, to my convoluted question. Okay? It's time to be pithy. Be pithy. Answer the question. The Rangers are good. <laughs> good baseball team. They earned it. I think like... Yeah, they did. Like they honestly did. They With dignity. With dignity. They approached it with dignity, with poise. Mar- rationality, Mar- you might say. <laughs> yeah. I, I the, the way that they constructed their team, I think, is really fascinating and potentially instructive as to how you can invest in your baseball team at key positions and fill the roster out with young, major league ready prospects and some sort of, I guess, like moonshot guys, guys like Andrew Heaney and Nathan Eovaldi to an extent, right? Guys who have shown their ability to perform to some extent over the last few years. And you say, hey, we have our aces who 
weren't really acing. <laughs> yeah. Some maybe not even pitching. Um, but I don't, amid the whole story about the, we talked about this on the live stream, right? The Padres who had the story drop about how they took out a $50 million loan to help cover their payroll and, and whatnot. Right. And there's been this years long hand wringing over the fact that how can the, how can the Padres afford this, you know, and how can they afford this, especially when they're not winning and the, the Rangers just feel like the natural corollary to that, which is like, sometimes your team just has to mesh a little bit. And, and sometimes the ball just has to bounce the right way. And maybe the indictment is not necessarily on spending to try and win, but dare I say execution? Mm. Right. By spending wisely. Right. Yeah. Being prudent about it, doing it the right way. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of people have sort of twisted themselves in knots, ourselves included, trying to figure out what the Rangers becoming this dominant team for the last four weeks when they looked terrible in September says about what it means to build a team. Um, I think lost in a lot of that is that they were one of the best teams in the league, if not the best team in the AL for most of the season. The Houston Astros pulled it out at the end because that's what the Houston Astros seemingly always do since 2015. Um but then they went head to head and look who came out on top. Right. I mean, there was like a whole bad faith. You guys bought this AL championship, uh, this AL pennant, and we're building sustainably conversation that was going on on Astro's Twitter, which is just an absurd place. But aside from the fact that that's not even really true, like their payrolls are pretty similar and it's, it's just like the Rangers just happened to do it in a concentrated period of time. Like it wasn't guys that they internally developed and um, then extended or whatever for a team friendly deal. Like, aside from that fact, I think that the reason that it's sort of hard to have a like a capital S super smart takeaway from watching what the Rangers have done is that you know I was on the radio on um, on Sportsnet in Toronto earlier this week talking about um, games three and four heading into game five, and they asked me they were like what what makes this team so great is it like is it bochi getting the most out of the players like is it is it the spending is it this is it that and i was like honestly it's the fact that Corey seager is awesome you know and marcus simeon played really well and he was bad for a lot of october but like if the if the takeaway is sign the best left-handed hitter in the league not named jordan alvarez like yeah i mean 29 other teams could have told you that they just didn't want to pony up the cash or 29 other gms i guess could have told you that they just didn't want to pony up the cash because ownership wasn't into it if Every single ownership group was like, yeah, you can have 10 years, $325 million for Corey Seager. Do you want to do that? Probably almost all of them would have said yes. Because even if you already had a shortstop, you probably would have just put him at second, you know? And that feels really obvious, but it also, you know, we said this when DeGrom went to the Rangers last offseason. It's not just about offering money, you know? It's about actually convincing players that they have a chance to win. And then once they get there, actually showing them that that what you convinced them of was real. Because if they get there and it's like, well, we sold you on this vision of winning and we sold you on this vision of commitment and we sold you on this vision of buying in, pushing our chips to the center of the table, making the trades that we need to support this team at the deadline, even though those trades didn't equate to like a bunch of players who performed perfectly throughout the postseason, they still did it. And it still fosters this sense of like, we want to win it now. We can win it now. We're good enough to win it now. Our GM believes in us. Our coach believes in us. The rest of the players on the roster believe in, in this. And I've been like really reckoning internally with the idea of what it takes to build a good team. Because I used to think, well, if you just get the best players, they're all professionals. And they'll come in there and they all want to perform the best. But I don't really think that anymore. Or rather, I don't always think that like building a good team means having a bunch of good players playing well individually. And I've been like trying to delicately balance between thinking about this concept of like team chemistry or momentum or loosely what I'm calling just vibes because it's like hard to quantify. But honestly, it's not equal. It's like it doesn't matter equally that you build a good team and they like 
playing with each other and they want to win. But it's not like as far apart as it, it, I used to think it was. If it was like in my head, if it was like 95% the players that you put on the team and 5% whether they like each other or not, now it's a lot closer to like 70-30. And the Phillies have convinced me of that. The Rangers have kind of convinced me of that a little bit, even though they don't just like, they're not like a love fest for each other, but they like clearly liked playing with each other and felt that the environment fostered them playing well. And Bochi was a big part of that, honestly. But like the failure of the Mets, the failure of the Padres, the failure of the Yankees over the last few years has has shown me that that 30% being bad <laughs> can hurt your team a lot more than I thought it used to be able to. I think one thing that really stood out to me about the Rangers in not only kind of how they constructed their team, but in terms of how it was managed on the field is they really sort of seemed to embody the mantra of like, don't overthink shit. Yeah. Whether it was like the young post hype guys and actually giving them a chance to like stake their claim or meaningfully adding to their team throughout the year. Or, or even just, I, I feel like there's, there's a lot of manager discourse and there's a lot of discourse around what makes a good manager and what makes a good manager in the postseason. And what, yeah. what stood out to me about Bochi is that he kind of got out of the way. Like, it didn't necessarily seem like he was... Except when he got in the way to put in Jose Leclerc. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> right, except for when he got in the way of Jose Leclerc actually coming in and getting his moment at the end of game five. That but was like, such coward stuff. It was so, it was so, so funny. <laughs> <laughs> but like where past postseasons have been sort of dominated by, you know, did Davy Martinez cost his team? Did Dave Roberts cost his team? Davey Mart- crazy Davy Martinez, Trey. World Series champion, Davy yeah, Martinez. The answer... Uh, is yes, Kevin Cash did cost his team the World Series in 2020. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Sleeping Blake Snell, you nerd. Which is not to say that like Bochi was checked out, but it didn't necessarily feel like tinkering at every move. You know, it was like at a, some at some point you have to let your guys play and trust that they're going to give you what they've told you they can give you. Well, like it, honestly, that part of it was a testament to the Rangers roster. Yeah. Uh, for better and for worse, like they didn't have good relievers to bring in, so there was no overthinking to be done. There was no other players to put right. in. Like Josh Spores was the only pitcher pitching well, <laughs> and I mean, and Leclerc, right? And Chapman was coming in because he was their big trade deadline acquisition, who was supposed to help bolster the bullpen, and he sucked uh, when he got there from from Kansas City. And then in the playoffs, the results were kind of okay, but the process looked very bad every time he came out there. So it was like. Short leash for Chapman, that was obvious to any manager who would have been running that bullpen. And everybody else, it's just like, all right, well, we hope if they're bad today, then Corey Seager comes up and hits a two-run home run and ties the game in the bottom of the ninth. <laughs> you know, like, that's it's as simple as that. And the roster was optimized. And not, like, optimized in the way that they saved as much money as possible. Like, we most of the time talk about optimization nowadays. They was optimized as in, he had options. He had the requisite right-handed bats and the requisite left-handed bats to make the lineup hard to navigate for any other kind of starting pitcher out there. Like, there was no starting pitcher who could look at that Rangers lineup and be like, I can get through this easily tonight, you know? Oh, this is a nice stretch here of six, seven, eight, where I don't feel bad about any of these guys. Like, it's just a good team. They just built a good team. And it's not as simple as, like, they've figured out baseball now because next year... Half these players might not be as good. You know, Josh Young might take a step back and Adolis Garcia might not be the world-beating version of himself that he was this season, but specifically in this October. And then you have to switch it up. But um, more teams should learn the lesson that the Rangers seemingly approach this season with, which is a sure thing is always better than best laid plans. A sure thing is Corey Seager. A sure thing is Marcus Simeon. A sure thing is Jacob deGrom being great for six starts and then getting hurt. A sure thing is Jordan Montgomery being a solid pitcher. A sure thing is Nathan Avaldi being good in the postseason or being a dog and going out there and giving you five or six, even if he's not 
a perfect pitcher, even if he's not pre-arb, you know? So, like, whatever prospects that the Rangers might have had to eventually grow into to the second base and shortstop positions, doesn't matter. Now they have World Series rings. So, like, that, to me, that is the lesson that you take away from this. As sure a thing as you can get in baseball is the best option for competing at the highest level. And I think about that when, when it comes to, like, reflecting back on the season and maybe some of the other teams that competed at this level that were similarly all in were not pushing all in for things that were as sure as this not pushing all in for players who are around 30 or younger like the Rangers did the Mets were pushing all of their chips in the center of the table for two guys who were almost 40 those are not sure things um and the sure thing that they did push their chips all to the center of the table for Francisco Lindor he was fucking awesome this year he wasn't the problem and the Padres, I don't, I don't even know what's going on with them, honestly. None of the pitchers are really sure things like that. And they seemingly can't develop a pitcher to save their lives or optimize a pitcher to save their lives. So they have like bigger structural problems going on. But like in contrast with the DePoto 54% of our games over a 10-year span mentality that I think a lot of teams approach team building with, it's like, there's nothing sure about that. You can't be sure about anything nine years from now. Just like, I'm not sure that Corey Seager is going to be good nine years from now, but it doesn't really matter. You know, like you optimize the front end of that. And that's the bargain you make. That's the chance you take to give your fans a World Series. And it worked. And we could be sitting here just as easily saying it didn't work. They came up short. The Astros beat them in game seven. And the Astros repeated again. But even in that alternate reality, to me, it's like it was still worth it just to be in the mix, to be seriously contending. And it's just to, to use a word that teams love to use to justify cheapness. It was a good process. And it netted them a World Series. It also flies in the face of, I think, that, that idea that a lot of fans have in their head, which is, if you want to build a perennial contender, you're going to have to build from the ground up, right? You're, yeah. you're going to have to tear it down. Right. And, Don't bring in the free agents until you have the cost-controlled core. Right, exactly. The and, Orioles model. Right, which is not to discount that way of doing things either because the Orioles obviously had a tremendous amount of success doing that. Um, and, you know, to the, to the Rangers' credit, like, they were a bad baseball team a couple of years ago, Right. And they were really bad. Like a really bad, like I, a bro, when they said on the broadcast team. that the Diamondbacks lost 110 games two years ago, I was like, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they signed free agents and then the prospects came. Mm -hmm. It's almost like the prospects were like, well, we believe we can be good now. We're playing next to fucking Corey Seeger and Marcus Simi. Right, exactly. It takes the pressure off me a little bit. <laughs> that's true. That's, that's a really good point, actually. That like Evan Carter is just like, yeah, I can be 21 and just be happy to be here. And it doesn't matter if I'm not hitting 400. Right. I don't have to be Corbin Carroll and like be the face of this team <laughs> as a rookie because there are other guys who can shoulder some of that weight for me, that emotional weight, that, that weight, and I can figure things out. Yeah. I mean, do you want to talk about the, the Diamondbacks at all? Sort of how... If your perspective of them is has changed at all of this, are they still fraudulent going into next year? No, I mean, they're not fraudulent <laughs> going into next year. I, they were never like fraudulent going into next year. The contention was never that. And Stevie's just barking her way through this like crazy because it's Friday night and there's more sounds than usual. So we're you're, just going to... You're both like... Uh, we're just going to let it rock. Force movable object. Just, <laughs> she's just trying to power through. She's pissing me off, but the listeners seem to like it. So um, the contention was never that they are not building an interesting team. Yeah. I think that was true, like, even before the season started. Like, people were, they were like, when's Corbin Carroll going to get here? You guys are going to be amazed. And that happened. Yeah. They and were we like, were. <laughs> they were like, Gabby Moreno, interesting, interesting player on the major league level as a catcher. He can actually hit. He's super young. There's not a lot of catchers out there like him that are ready at that age. That's a rare thing. Brandon Fott. The pitcher who they called up early in the season who did not have as much success as they had hoped, did not carry their rotation as much as they had hoped, and they needed to lean in other places to dip and dodge through this season even to make the playoffs. They needed a, a 
Cy Young caliber year from Zach Allen just to even get there. And then once they were there, it was like, uh, all right, all bets are off. Like we can start playing. We can play well for four weeks, but they're just like, it's, they're just incomplete. You know, they're just, they have not had the full length of their process. Like the Rangers have. And I think the Rangers probably a little bit ahead of schedule for, for what some people expected. But I, I mean, I can, I, I attribute that to just like the, the league feels super wide open right now. Like I probably would have put the 2019 Astros or the 2017 Astros. If you put them in this year's playoff field instead of the 2023 Astros, I probably would have picked them. Yeah. If, if, if you, if you just like press reset, even knowing everything I know about how the Rangers performed and how hot Seeker was and how hot Garcia was, I still probably would have picked those teams. I think they're better. Same with the 2018 Red Sox. Probably same with the 2018 Dodgers, honestly. But like everyone on the, that Astros team was four years older. You know, there's a lot of injuries to the pitching. And they were like just vulnerable enough that a team built well can beat them, can knock them off. And for the Diamondbacks, they need like four heavy hitters if they want to be considered at the same level as the Braves heading into the ne- heading into next year as the Rangers to repeat as the Astros. I think they would have been similarly exposed heading up against any of those teams in the AL bracket. The reason I felt confident saying that they're fraudulent was because I really don't believe that they're going to do that. Like who is the big free agent that they're bringing in to bolster this roster, to bolster the depth of this roster, to bolster the dudes who are here. Like, they're not getting a Trey Turner or a Bryce Harper level caliber player. Really, their best hope is to, like, acquire, like, another A-list starter, like, via trade, maybe? I don't even know what that really looks like for them because they don't, they don't play the free agency game. They, they never have. Like, their biggest free agency signing was Madison Bumgarner, and that didn't work out, and they cut him in recent memory, obviously. And they got rid of Goldschmidt before they were going to have to pay him the big contract. Like they, and that's just an ownership thing. That has nothing to do with Mike Hazen. Mm-hmm. Mike Hazen it has nothing to do with Mike Hazen. Who's done a great job, you know, like they clearly, and this is all without even like Jordan Lawler, who's another one of their top prospects, yeah. even really flourishing. So yeah, they're going to be good next year. I mean, they're not going to be a pushover. They're going to make it equally as interesting this year between the Dodgers and the Padres and who's going to actually come out on top in that division. Um, but I think like the, the like smart baseball person takeaway from this season would be don't get too swept up in what they did in three rounds of the playoffs. All that being said, interesting team, fun team to root for. Yeah. I think as a fan of the Diamondbacks, you're just like, that was, that was cool. That was house money. And like nothing I'm saying right now is to throw poor cold water on any of that. Like, I think that that was still a fun thing to observe and a testament to how worth it it is to to even try to get into the tournament that is the baseball playoffs i think that's one of the frustrating things too about seeing this team and knowing how they act in the free agent market is knowing that they are a couple moves away from being right back here next year if they want right i mean they have some key guys leaving the team and guriel and and fam and Nick Nick Ahmed. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't he? He was already cut, I thought. Lifelong Diamondback. Mm-hmm. Um, they just got to give fam like 10 years, 300 million. That <laughs> dude is amazing. <laughs> do you really, do you want to talk about vibes? <laughs> Not my kind of vibe, but, <laughs> but definitely, but definitely a, vibe, a vibe. An identifiable vibe. Yeah. Room changing vibe. Uh, he just, he just hit the ball like he was mad at it all October. <laughs> Everything he made contact with was hit hard. Just locked in, you know? Should the Mets get him back? Right. So go, writing in my notebook, go get players who hit ball hard. <laughs> you could do worse. As you a could GM. do worse strategy-wise. <laughs> for like for like a good three years on Effectively Wild, Jeff Sullivan, who's now employed by the Tampa Bay Rays, was just like, this is the year Keon Broxton breaks out because he hits the ball as hard as anyone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Still waiting. <laughs> We're still waiting, but at the same time, like maybe sometimes that turns into Mike Stanton, now known as Giancarlo. Mm-hmm. 
Keon Broxton, Giancarlo Stin. What's the difference? Yeah, choose your fighter. Uh, you have, do you have any third time through the order takes you want to get off your chest? It's the, it's the talk of the town over the last week. Oh, like literally, you're not doing a bit. Like You're not saying, like, get out all of my takes <laughs> <laughs> that we haven't used all of the good stuff in the first time, two times <laughs> through the order. You're saying, like, literally, like, no, I mean, you literally want me to talk about the third of, time through the order. I, I'm posing the question to you. It came up on our live stream, and we we discussed a bit, right? Because there there's been this proposal yeah. bandied about, about should, should MLB limit the number of pitchers that you can roster or the number of... of Pitchers that you can send up and down yes. from the minor leagues. The answer is yes. You should only be allowed to roster five pitchers. Okay, right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel similarly as I... Uh, I feel similarly still as I did when I spoke about it on the live stream a couple of days ago, which is that it's like such a holistic problem that we don't have as many good starting pitchers anymore because pitchers are not being asked to do that. Pitchers, even... Even like guys who have been in the league for four or five years who are great, like legit capital G great, who have won science. Let's 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 use here's two pitchers, Corbin Burns and Max Scherzer. Those guys could not have more different philosophies about pitching. And they are both great. They are both similarly valuable to teams or have been for the last four years. Scherzer's obviously like getting at the end of the rope here, but and Burns is hurt, you know, but if you just take what they were in, for the last five years, similar, similarly valuable because Corbin Burns is so good on a rate level. But he's not trying to go to the eighth because he's not expecting to be left in until the eighth. He's expecting to go two, two and a half times through the order depending on what month and what team he's playing and the handedness matchup of the lineup that he's going against. And that's just how he was developed. And that's how he was raised. But Scherzer, who is a guy who is very astute in how he talks about pitching and his philosophy, and he's a really good talker and thinker about the game, and he likes to talk shop with other players, and and because of that, he has had an influence on molding a lot of people around the baseball world's opinion of what it means to be a pitcher. He saves stuff for the second time and third time through the order. He saves pitches. He won't show a guy a pitch in the first at bat. He won't tunnel a pitch the same way in the first time through as he will the second time through or the third time through because he's actually expecting to still have the ball in the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning. And that difference in philosophy is, as you mentioned in our live stream, something that you learn at such a young age that like by the time Major League Baseball teams get these guys, there's nothing that they're going to do to change that. And you know what? They don't want to change that because they don't want pitchers who are going seven, eight innings every time through because it in their minds, increases the risk for injury for their investment. And more importantly, it makes them more expensive. If you have peak Max Scherzer, he is going to get $43 million on the open market. If you have a guy who only goes five innings, you're going to win that arbitration case more yeah. likely than not. And I, it's much easier for them to have three good starters, like the bare minimum three good starters. Like well, we, we actually have to have, you know, a couple people in this restaurant who know how to cook food, but everybody else, we're going to bring them in on minimum wage. And this is their first job in high school. And um, that's not to be disrespectful to relievers, but like some of these guys are really just like shuttled in from the 40 man from time to time and then sent back down to the minors. And then they're not being put in, in positions to succeed as starters. And they're not being put in positions to succeed financially intentionally. So, until there is like some kind of market inefficiency in starting pitching, we're not going to see that trend go in a different direction. Now, whether or not you think that Rob Manfred needs to limit the amount of pitchers on the roster to create that market inefficiency, I don't really know. I haven't done the work, haven't done the research. But I think it would be nice if more teams were like, I see a guy who has the potential to be like a four or five pitch starter who makes it late into games, and I want to stoke that rather than tell him, no, actually just throw your fastball harder and then throw a slider off of it. Because I think a lot of times it's going in the wrong direction. And teams have gotten myopic about that kind of thing. And it's helped them because it's confirmed a lot of their analytical opinions about what makes a good pitcher. But it's hurt the game. There are fewer Zach Gallons. There are fewer Zach Wheelers. There are fewer Max Scherzers. And that's a bummer. It's a bummer from a narrative perspective. But it doesn't mean that like 
baseball is not interesting and good still. You know, like I can appreciate what relievers are doing when they're actually good. But like the Rangers just won the World Series, they have a bunch of shitty relievers. Like right, I mean, and I think that like sports that was is, amazing, but the most of the relievers were shitty. The, I don't know. There's a this real tension right now across the game of like aesthetics of what we're seeing and like the actual success of the teams, right? A team might be successful pulling their starter after four or five innings in the playoffs, but aesthetically it may not be what you were expecting when you tuned in. It may not be the thing that creates that heightened sense of drama that you expect out of the playoffs. And like part of the problem is the conversation I think gets really flattened, right? Because it's like, well, there are two options and that is that pitchers don't that starting pitchers go less deep into games and more relievers come in and that's less interesting to watch or starting pitchers go deeper into games and that's fun because we we like that and we recognize their names and i don't i like part of the problem is like there aren't enough good pitchers you know like no. it's like like on on either side of the equation there's always going to be that band of guys who are right on the fringe between AAA and the major leagues and who are who serve the purpose of coming in and, and eating those innings. And I feel like there's a sort of unfounded expectation that, well, if we just start limiting the number of pitchers, well, guys will go deeper into games. And as you're saying, pitchers aren't being trained to, to do that. Like, you're not... I think what we in inevitably would, would see in that outcome is that pitchers just aren't as good as the game goes on like like asking for seven innings out of the guy who throws five is not just going to give, then give you the same quality of, yes. of stuff that he is putting now which is not to say that this is the ideal situation for the baseball fan per se but as you mentioned like there's a real injury component to this when you start asking guys to like radically shift the way they are approaching their job. Yes. The, honestly, and I would I would actually love to get into this more in the offseason because this feels like something that could be a full episode where we talk to people who have different perspectives on this question. But like for for pitching coaches, like if you give those guys a hammer, then everything is a nail. Like if you give those guys a mediocre starter at the single at the high A level, then he's a great reliever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if, if you give a guy a hard thrower from high school and you could foster the the work, the hard work that it takes to see whether or not he can cut it as a third starter who could give you some length and actually go seven innings. And you put that up against the the much easier task of saying, no, throw harder, go to driveline in the offseason, learn a hammer slider, and become an amazing rate stat single inning reliever then I look like a genius because I just turned a bunch of dudes into guys who can be used in the bullpen, a place where our managers always need more guys now at the major league level because our front offices are telling them to go to the bullpen earlier. And if they don't have enough guys to come in and, and fill the last four innings, then then they're screwed. And they always want a guy who comes. They always want Bryce Montez de Oca. They always, you know, like he's not a good pitcher. <laughs> he's not great. But you know what? He's going to get innings at the major league level because he throws hard and has great stuff. If they developed Bryce Montez de Oca different and I'm just using him because it's the Mets and that's like a familiar comparison for me but it could it could be anybody right like Rafael Montero who's like the top he was like the pitching prospect to end all pitching prospects like more so than Jacob deGrom when he was coming up with the Mets and they were like well you know DeGrom seems this DeGrom guy seems like he's doing really well and we've done a good job developing Harvey like let's just see if Montero plays better in the bullpen because he's had a tough couple years in the minors it's like if you if you tell these pitching coaches or these roving pitching development guys who work for teams that you want a bunch of guys who can deliver on a rate basis in single inning outings, then they're going to create them, you know? But if you tell them that it's like, if you tell them like, we want to have a five man rotation that looks solid. First of all, they're going to be like, you're stupid. They're all just going to get hurt <laughs> and then you're cooked and then you have nothing. But and that's like because they've been developed differently from a young age. If you actually try to make starters, they're going to get hurt and hurt their elbows and stuff. But it's more achievable to turn a guy into a great pitcher for one inning than it is to turn a good pitcher into a good starter for seven innings. 
And it's like part of this larger umbrella thing in baseball where it's like front offices want to manipulate as many of the variables as they can. And oftentimes that is financials. And oftentimes that is pitcher usage when third time through the order. Like these are things that they can say we are controlling this variable so that the uncontrollable variables in baseball, which are myriad more than any other sport besides maybe hockey and soccer don't seem overwhelming to us. And then if the ball bounces the wrong way, then the ball bounces the wrong way. And you know, the diamondbacks are going to the world series. So I don't know. It's a fascinating conversation. It clearly was a theme of this postseason, and it's led a lot of people to bad faith opinions about how entertaining the postseason was and why the world series ratings were what the world series ratings were. But like I, as a person who actually likes watching baseball, which I think a lot of the people who are opining on this don't, I'm just, I'm kind of interested to see where we go from here because I think that we've kind of hit the logical endpoint of, yeah, you can just make it through with two starters. Like, can you, you know, like, do you want to like, that feels like we're bullpenning games in the world series and that's a bad beat. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm well, yeah. Well, and as, as listener Nick pointed out to us, right, there's been emerging research on the, the kind of other side of the third time through the order, which is like that, you know, increased exposure to your relievers detracts from their success, right? So teams are making all of these calculated decisions. I do think we're at a sort of inflection point here. And what I would hate to see is a sort of directive handed down from high that says, well, you should just build your teams like this. Like, I don't know, maybe we should let teams like figure this shit out. And maybe the pendulum swings back in the other direction, but it just feels like you're trying to you're starting from an image of baseball that you would like to see right. and then trying to figure out how to like reverse engineer that. Right. Kind of like the DH. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The rule change ban is over now, right? It is. Because the season's over. Mm-hmm. So would you like to spend the next 45 minutes talking about rule changes? Yeah, let's do it. They d- didn't matter. <laughs> it did not impact my viewing experience whatsoever. So I put out a call for things that people would like to hear us talk about. Um, and reflect back on in the 2023 season now that it's officially over. I think we've done our done our part talking about the World Series. Um, and someone, Zach, responded and said, uh, the rule changes. <laughs> now that we can. <laughs> um, well, I, I was the one who banned them. Is there anything that you would like to get off your chest about them that you've been stewing on for six months? Do you even remember what the rule changes were? I just think, like, they were overstated in both directions. Yeah. Like, people got really horny for them and people got really anti them. And that's just think that we're all going to look back and be like, why did we care that much about that? Right. It was, I, the, the thing that I keep coming back to, it's like poptimism. Like we all look back on that and we're like, we were like <laughs> really up in arms about that term. <laughs> what I keep coming back to is that it's like, I just want to listen to some Robin. I don't know. I just, just want to watch some baseball <laughs> sports fans generally, but I think baseball fans specifically, hate change. I think that like I love change. 90% of grievances towards the game are just like we're talking about grievances in the context of the collective bargaining <laughs> right, agreement yes, or we're like talking bargain, about bargain. Yeah. Yeah, I mean MLB teams hate changing their players' salaries to above the league minimum. <laughs> there you go. Yes, nicely done. So there are grievances <laughs> to sort that out. It's like I think there should be a moratorium on talking about any changes in the game in like the immediate <laughs> like 6 month aftermath. Oh, okay. Like, not just ever, We because then we would not talk about the game of, of baseball. But I'm like, oh. <laughs> I guess we, we we don't already. We did do like 15 minutes at the top of this episode about fonts. Yeah. Which was riveting content. It, it really was. Um, There's nothing left to add about the rule changes. No. Um, Eric wants us to talk about the absolute con that is playoff home field advantage. See the Texas Rangers going 11, nothing. Funny question, Eric. It's never been done before and it will never be done again. So I don't think that this is necessarily proof is in the pudding here. (laughs) They just like happen to win all 11 on the road. You're saying that it's the exception that proves the rule. Is that a nice pithy way of putting that that. all together? It's just see, you're learning. I'm picking picking up on it. You're picking up what I'm putting down. Um, We got two separate questions. One from the Garcetti machine and one from Brendan about the Angels and about how this was potentially just their worst year ever, just like in franchise history. Like they really 
they botched it. And um, I do think that's true. Yeah, I, I kind of buy that. I The stakes were higher than ever because this was Shohei Otani's last year before hitting free agency. And they basically just announced like two years ago that they weren't going to re-sign him. So, but they're going to try. Don't worry, they're going to try. Yeah. Um, we'll see if the mayor can bribe <laughs> Otani's agent. And if not, then he's going to walk. Uh I don't want to. I don't want to step on dumbest things of 2023 because I have some angels content for that. Yeah. So, uh, Brendan and the Garcetti machine, thank you for writing in. But we'll, we'll save it's, it for that. It's coming. Um, there's a couple more in here that we don't have time to get to, but I did want to mention this one from um, from Mike. Pitchers who tip themselves the most this year, they nominate Severino on the Yankees. Who are your faves? You know, I have Google alerts set up for tipping pitches. The phrase and. Uh, <laughs> One thing about tipping pitches is that people at home understand what it's about. But another thing about tipping pitches, the actual baseball term, is that anytime someone has a bad performance, it comes up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's like, well, I might have been tipping. It's like, you're never... <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's sort of like how, as a podcaster, you're never wrong. It's just that someone is the exception that proves the rule that you mm-hmm. said. It's like, you never have a bad outing. You just might have been tipping. Or you might have just found a mechanical inconsistency and you fixed it. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. We're all the same. Everybody is the same. Everybody's the same. Nobody makes a mistake because of their own shortcomings. There is some external thing that can be corrected. It's this millennial generation of pitchers who I think just can't who who can't hold themselves accountable. Who who cannot simply admit that they they made a mistake. You know, it's passing the buck along to someone else. It's always someone else's fault. Yeah. Get a job, hippie. <laughs> I guess I guess in this case it would be them themselves. No, 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 the no. It's the, it's the pitching coach who didn't identify it. Right. You're telling me that someone in the film room. Right. You're telling me that you just watched my whole last start and you didn't see that I was tipping my curveball. Right. But John Boy did. <laughs> <laughs> right. But like local <laughs> FM radio host found that out. <laughs> I love, there is nothing, nothing to be lost in coming out after a guy that you think is good has a bad start or a bad relief performance, there's nothing to be lost in being like, I think I might see a little tip there. <laughs> because the other team is never going to say, we had this tip. Yeah, They're never going to confirm or deny it. And it could be months before that actually does come out, before like another player is like, yeah, we had a tip on you, you fixed it, whatever. And that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. More, than I, more than I thought. But CC was like, <laughs> he said one time, he was like, yeah, people come to me all the time, they'd be like, we had a tip on you for like two years. <laughs> And he's just so good that they can't hit him anyway. Right. I mean, that's the thing is like you can tip your pitches and still sometimes it's like, what are you going to do? You still have to go out there and hit the baseball. Yeah. I mean, we underrate how many circumstances in the pitcher batter game theory that we have here are the tip. The pitch is already tipped anyway. <laughs> it's like it's 3-0. Here comes a fastball. Yeah, right. <laughs> and like the, a lot of hitters do damage on that too, but we don't call that tipping pitches even though you know that it's going to be that. Yeah. Um. We were going to do some voicemails and we were going to do some some questions at the end of this podcast here, but we're uh, we're running thin on time. Would you like to, do you want to do like one or two voicemails? Do you want to save the voicemails for next week's episode? I think we should save it. Uh, you know, this week we we had a choice. Helvetica or voicemails and we chose Helvetica. Georgia, so, Georgia, Georgia. Georgia. That's, Georgia. that's just how things shake out. How are you feeling? Season's over. Just like personally, you know? Take me into the mind of an Alex Baisley. I mean, I don't really know what... Like, at the end of every season... Right. Clean slate. Every fan, in in theory, has a chance to say, well, you start rationalizing, right? You start saying, well, you know, if we could could do this next year and we could go and make this free agent splash and there are things that you can get excited about. Right. I just don't know what... (laughs) what that is in in my case you know like i don't what i it, can i put a cursed thought in the world yeah like cursed for me mm-hmm. not cursed for you shohei otani on the philadelphia phillies <laughs> dombrowski master master class fucking middleton master class bro yeah okay can we all right i just want to say i <laughs> yeah hang yeah. on i <laughs> Yeah, what do you want to say? That stirred something what do you, in yeah, both of us. It but I just want to say something. the way that John Middleton like 
put himself in the favor of Phillies fans this postseason. Yeah, this is, is like, the same John Middleton that was owning the team for like twenty, like in 2015, 16, 17, when they were like, they won't go over the luxury tax. I hate this man. I know, I know. But but it's a testament to like baseball fans' short memory. And it's yeah. like, it does not take all that much to please your fan base. It not really true. doesn't. My man just like got... We're on, on a T. What's we that? are we are collectively on a tee. We are ready to be smashed. Yes, yeah. Honestly, oh my! The owner is on top of the dugout throwing out baseballs. Gimme! I want one. My my inner Zach Campbell comes out. You know, it's like I'll throw bows. I don't care. <laughs> my inner Zach Campbell comes out. I love the mental image of like every time you sit down to record this podcast. On one shoulder, you have Zach Campbell, right. <laughs> mini Zach Campbell. And then the other shoulder, you have like a mini John Boy. <laughs> it's like, which ones am I going to be today? Right. I guess like those are two similar, like kind of like annoying baseball media. Right, two people. sides of the same coin. Right. So on one side, you have Zach and John Boy, like a two-headed monster kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Paint a beautiful picture for everybody. You really oh. are. What do you have on the other side? Like a like Chapo Trap House hosts or something? <laughs> like you know, like dirtbag <laughs> left <God>. podcasters? <laughs> What? What? This is an awesome question. Okay. Just awesome question. Yep. What podcaster do you think that you most closely align with, like energy-wise, podcasting style? You are obviously, we are all idiosyncratic as podcast hosts. We are all ourselves. Mm -hmm. We can only do the podcast that we do and no other kind. I could not host another another podcast that already exists because podcasts are fake. Uncanny Valley pieces of media. Mm Mm-hmm. And idiosyncratic to our tastes. This one more than any other. But like, when you listen to a pod, you're like, I could vibe with that guy. <laughs> well, see, this is the hard thing is that I don't really listen to to pods. So it's but like hard to in think. your when you did, I, yes, when you right. did. Like I only listen to podcasts, so it's like when you were like guy, guy who only listens to podcasts, getting a lot of podcast vibes. <laughs> guy who only listens to podcasts, getting a lot I'm of a lot Joe like John <laughs> I don't. You are nothing like John Caramonica, though. No, I'm not. That's because he'll Joe come out and just be like bro. a fucking hater. He is. Which you will never do. No. You will, like, though. You'll be like, <laughs> I am a little bit Caramonica-esque. <laughs> a little bit. I relate to John. But it's funny, though. It's funny that you say that. Because, obviously, I work at The Ringer, so my answer would be like a, an amalgamation of like all the Ringer hosts that I've worked with in the past. But Sean and Chris are close friends with John Caramonica. And Sean one time told a story on Big Pig of John Caramonica calling him up and having like a four-hour phone call teaching him how to be a critic of things. Mm. So I'm like two generations removed from that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You're well on your way. <laughs> like generational critical trauma. <laughs> just need to get a take about something. You just need to be a hater about something for a second. Right. Well, you only you only share one uh, Philadelphia fact with me regularly like mm-hmm. on, this, on this podcast. But what the listeners don't know is you spend hours on the weekends just regaling me with stories of of Philadelphia lore. That's true. Over the phone, in person, sometimes via via the <laughs> the written the written word. <laughs> Writing letters. You didn't My answer dearest the, Alex. <laughs> you didn't answer the question. Uh, M- Michael Barbaro. <laughs> Bro, I don't <laughs> think on it. I'm going to put a poll, not a poll. I'm going to put up a Q&A for submissions for who Alex reminds you of. <laughs> okay. Can't wait. Joe Rogan. You are not. No, John you're, Boy. Not, you're not Rogan, but you're getting closer. No, but you're going to have to put some options, right? You're going to have to direct. Like head to head, like original concept for Facebook, you know, the Facebook face page thing where you have to choose which girl is hotter, which was insane. Right. It's insane. Uh-huh. I've been thinking a lot about social network and Fincher recently because the killer came out. Um, It's insane that Facebook started that way. And, and now it's like everything that it is right and now it controls elections <laughs> <laughs> but like head to head so so rogan versus barbaro rogan wins you're closer to rogan yeah so now we just do that little game now we just... <laughs> all right how much time do you have <laughs> all right rogan versus kara swisher <laughs> right <laughs> sorry guys we don't have time for voice net swisher voicemails. swisher versus bateman bateman <laughs> what's next <laughs> bateman versus bill simmons i think bateman still yeah yeah, but I think I'm more like Simmons. <laughs> oh my God, absolutely. <laughs> this is a great podcast idea for this the is a great. You know what? <laughs> this is Patreon. It's content. coming down the pipeline. Thank you, everybody, for listening. 
you know, you mentioned you don't know where you'll be headed next season. I know where I'm headed. Mm-hmm. I recently watched a movie called I Know Where I'm Going. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start using that phrase a lot. I know where I'm going. Yeah. Right back to City Field. That's right, right back. baby. I'm back in, baby. Right back on the seven line. We're zero and zero now. We're mm. tied for first. Tied for best record in the league. The New York Mets. Yes, sir. I've been good recently. You know, I've only gone on a couple different 35-minute rants about David Stearns. Get ready. Yeah. They're coming. Get ready. Oh, my God. Uh, Especially they, if they hire Craig Council. Jesus. Oh, my God. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Cut it. Cut the mics. I'm buying the Council jersey. <laughs> Let's do it. We're back in. Thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, thank you to everybody for following along during this postseason. And for the whole season at large, we have a lot of fun stuff coming up. Of course, Dumbest Things of 2023, which we teased already with our friends at Batting Around. Um, a couple interviews that we were trying to line up. We're really trying to get Jake and Jordan back on the podcast to do a big blowout idea. Um, probably about journalistic integrity and whether or not you should quote people from locker rooms because yeah. I know that Jake really wants to talk more about that um, and really just be on the record as much as possible about that whole situation. Yep. We were maybe thinking we could get Arcia on the pod with them. Um, so stay tuned for that. And uh, other than that, it's just going to be a great offseason full of dumb shit. So thank you everybody for listening and we'll be back next week. Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. Tipping pitches. So we'll see you next week. See ya!